Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. Rehearsing and action. Negative. No reports of Time Lord. A big part of the Dalek is his voice. Is the voice. We are beyond the Doctor's reach. The person who realises that really is Nick Briggs. He's genius. He sits at the side of the set um, and delivers a completely chilling performance. The Doctor cannot stop us. Nick's involvement begins months before shooting, when the cast gathers for a first read-through of the script. Nick comes to the read-through with his with his ring modulator. Jacqueline. Gary Milner. Nick Briggs. <laughs> and he sets up a little speaker. And he sits there and he patiently waits for the first Dalek line to come around, knowing that when it does and when he first booms across that read-through room, he's going to get a shiver of delight from everyone in the room. I'm receiving a communication from the Earthbound ships. I have a message for the human race. We'll put it through. Let's hear it. suddenly hear it being created live still uh, still certainly still gives me a free song every time it happens Dalek fleet in battle formation all systems locked and bright principle at 90% efficiency the human harvest will commence people never seem to tire of it I know on the first one when I did it you know Christopher Eccleston who'd never heard that before he suddenly just stopped at his tracks and couldn't carry on and said I wasn't expecting that and likewise this time I mean it's lovely for an actor's ego I got a huge round of applause on my first line and then any little different nuance I did that another round of applause Short of the Daleks on the floor, everywhere, all chanting. Everyone together now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It makes the job more interesting when there's a further development of the Daleks. So with the Dalek Supreme and Dalek Khan having gone completely bonkers this time, you know, there's, there's a lot to think about and a lot to do, and that, that makes it... I mean, I love... Don't get me wrong, I love doing the whole exterminate and we obey and barking out commands. That that's, has uh, a fun aspect all of its own, especially since the Daleks are so cross all the time. Supreme Dalek on the bridge! But the, the Dalek Supreme... 
he is uh, rather, he, I think he's got a very high opinion of himself. So he has a kind of grand way of speaking and he's kind of thinks he's the boss of everything. Emergency! Locate the TARDIS! Find the Doctor! And then further along that scale is uh, Dalek Khan who's been through the time war and back and goodness knows where else. <laughs> and he's sort of all in bits and sort of hanging there. And it's said in the script that he has this kind of strange musical quality to his voice. I flew into the wild and fire. Because he, his mind has just been blown by all this incredible experience he's been through. It's like all the, the neurons in his brain are firing in really weird directions, so he is all over the place. He danced and died a thousand times. And he has this ridiculous giggle, and that was the thing that always got me into it, and Graham Harper, the director, kept saying, more giggling, I like the giggling, you know, so... <laughs> and we're joined by the voice of the Daleks himself, the man behind Big Finish, Nicholas Briggs. Nick Briggs, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Good, uh, very well. Good evening, sir. Thank you for taking the time all the way in the UK, across the pond. Uh, it's we're pleasure. Doing... Great pleasure. It's a lovely evening here, by the way. It's very unusual, very nice and sunny. And it's rainy over here, so there you go. Wibbly wobbly. <laughs> I feel so much better. <laughs> we're joined today, Nick, by uh, our co-host, Professor Allen. How you doing, Professor? Doing well. Great to be here with... Uh... With, with the Daleks and all the of voice the of the Daleks and <laughs> authors about Daleks, I'm a little scared. And Nick, uh, as you can see on the screen, we got a couple of Daleks there and their operators. We've got yeah. Mark Townsend and Rob Green, who sometimes calls me Richard. How you doing, gentlemen? Very good. How are you? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. They're good Daleks. They're, they've got people in them, haven't they? Uh, normally they do. Yeah, we're, we're in Maybe. one. We're just one of uh, six Canadian Dalek operators now. Wow. Actually, we were going to do this voice call from inside the Emperor, but it got too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> but that one behind you is moving. It's alive. Yes, that's, that's, is, one, yes. Of our, uh, that's one of our uh, Dalek drone operators. <laughs> he's actually he's technically here, too. So <laughs> he's going to be quite hot by the end of this. Usually, yeah. Uh, you, you can't stay in too long, and definitely not outside during an Ontario summer. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Nick, I know you've been busy this year, of course, the 50th anniversary of what I think might be the longest running show on television. Certainly one of the most popular shows, uh, science fiction wise and, and in the UK. Yeah. Uh, were you involved at all in the 50th? I'm, I know you're not going to answer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good try. <laughs> I, I knew you weren't going to answer. I know you guys are all on lockdown for, as far as that anyways. Uh, tell us a bit about your, your work with Big Finish. How did that all start? Oh, goodness me. Um, it started, I suppose, because, and you may have heard that years ago, uh, Gary Russell and myself and a bunch of other people used to do Doctor Who audio plays for fun. And I played the Doctor in them. And in the last series we did, Gary Russell was the producer. And we always sort of talked when we finished doing it because we got too grown up and got jobs and had to earn money. Um, thought you know wouldn't it be lovely if we did it one day you know for real licensed by the BBC and then quite a few years later uh, Gary and Jason Hegelery approached the BBC about it because it was at that time when the BBC had kind of forgotten all about Doctor Who you know it's, it's quite difficult to recall that time now because it's so different now uh, they pay attention to everything about Doctor Who in minute detail but in those days it was just one guy at BBC Worldwide 
guy called Stephen Cole, who was an old friend of Gary's, uh, who, who sort of suggested that we, we could do this. So after a couple of false starts, uh, eventually in 1998, I think it was, we got the license, and by 1999 we were doing it. And, and I was in straight from the start writing and directing and doing sound design and um, music. Uh, you know, Gary, when he had the news, came round to see me. We only lived five minutes walk away from each other in those days. And he, and he popped over in a very British way to have a cup of tea, as we often did. And, uh, yeah, he explained it to me. And I, I kind of begged to write the first story. And he said no. But by the time he got home, he phoned me and, and said, yeah, all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, well, I haven't stopped since, really, you know. Right, and then things changed seven years ago when I became the executive producer. And and now my life has is I, I I I breathe big finish every moment of every day really. Now you you went from keeping Doctor Who alive I would say I always say on the show big finish kept Doctor Who alive for many years in in the break, uh, but how did you go from there to being on the set of Doctor Who scaring the crap out of Christopher Eccleston? <laughs> Uh, yes, Chris reacted very well to the Dalek voice. I'm sure you've heard the story in the read-through where he kind of, he didn't know I was there with the whole, all the ring modulator and everything. And when he heard it, he, he couldn't say his next line because he was so bamboozled by it. Um, how did I get there? Well, it's because Russell T. Davis was a fan of Big Finish and he used to buy our CDs. Um, and so when he decided to bring the Daleks back, you know, he tells me he always, there was never any question in his mind that he, he would get me to do it. So that was, you know, as you may have heard, there was a, a sort of branding meeting of all the people involved in all the licenses for Doctor Who, and he, they were describing what Doctor Who was going to be like, uh, the new Doctor Who, and someone called Clayton Hickman, who you may know was the editor of Doctor Who magazine, uh, put his hand up and said, uh, I hope you're going to get Nick Briggs to do the voice of the Daleks. And Russell said, yes, but don't tell him because we haven't asked his agent. So I had months <laughs> where I was just waiting for this call and, you know, went through all sorts of feelings of um, you know inadequacy and disbelief because the call didn't come because as I discovered in later years the BBC only phone you about three seconds before they want you to do a job right <laughs> I had a question for Nick uh, you talked about this sort of being and, and Paul mentioned it in the you know during the wilderness years the quiet years yes. and I wanted to I wanted to talk about you basically rehabilitated the eighth doctor um, you know he appeared you know Paul McGann in one movie He's on 90 minutes of film. But I know there's a fair, uh, sizable chunk of fandom that consider him one of their favorite doctors, and that's obviously because of Big Finish. And to me, that's, that's one of the great accomplishments. How did you accomplish that? I mean, how did you pull that off? Well, you know, it was Gary and Jason, really, who, um, you know, persisted in asking his agent uh, I think they said no to start with, and then they, they got to speak to the right person who just said, yeah, he'd probably be up for that. But I think you're right. I mean, of course, a lot of people, you know, had Doctor Who never come back and had Big Finish never got Paul McGann, I think there'd still be a lot of people who liked the TV movie and liked what Paul did. But um, I think it's fair to say, I mean, we gave him a, a reign, as it were, which continues now, and we've done, you know, I should have... Um, done some uh, you know uh, revision before this and worked out how many episodes he's done with us but he's done a hell of a lot and he's about to do a hell of a lot more and I suppose that yeah we were just lucky really that you know he wanted to do it because listen he'd only done the TV movie and that had been four years before he might have just 
thought I'm not interested but it's come to the stage now where you know I was I was in Australia recently doing a load of Doctor Who conventions and, um, uh, Peter Colin Sylvester and Paul were, were you know there and we were sort of it was a bit like a rock and roll tour you know we were all there going to these different venues and you know Paul said he he regards Big Finish as his staple you know that uh, he he loves to come back and do it and um, you know it's more and more fun each time to work with him actually he's he's I think you know he was always a little reticent about acknowledging his his Doctor Who credentials and for whatever reason and, and we didn't plan it this way but I think Big Finish has got him to the point where he's quite he's quite keen to acknowledge it and especially with the 50th anniversary coming up you know I detected a distinct change in his attitude last year actually where he really seemed to engage with the whole Doctor Who thing I mean he was always fun and he always enjoyed it but there was I don't know he seemed to he seems to be sort of falling in love with Doctor Who in a way that you know he hadn't done before and you know he may curse us for that so I, <laughs> I won't say it's entirely down to us but uh, no it's it's a lovely feeling and we've done the thing with Paul is that even though we knew you know Chris Eccleston came next as it were um, it did feel like you know new territory we could do all sorts of you know interesting things with his characters but there again we found ways of doing that with all the other doctors as well even Tom you know no no speaking of Tom uh, for, I know first and foremost you're a fan it, it really shows obviously what was it like uh, the first time you had like a, an actual actor who played the doctor walk into your studio? Well, I think that you know the first three we had, which was Peter, Colin, and Sylvester. I'd met them all before and had contact with them. But as a Doctor Who fan, you never quite lose that feeling of it's the Doctor. You know what I mean? You can't. You can't. It doesn't matter how cool and professional you think you're going to be. You'll always have that little tingle, uh, and. Um, a good example of this actually is that you know I knew David Tennant really well before he became the doctor uh, and then when he did become the doctor I started to have that reaction towards him so it was it was a very <laughs> it sort of happens and I already knew him and wasn't remotely sort of sort of intimidated in that oh my goodness he's a celebrity way about him before but when he became the doctor I sort of did start to feel like that towards him so you never get over it no, uh, I mean, I tried. I tried on that first one we did, the Sirens of Time. I think I was quite tough with them because they. I was directing, and they were all larking about and having a great time. And I think I was. I'd hate to see secret footage of it. I think I was a little, um, little humorless because I thought, oh, we've got to get on with it. There's plenty of work to do. And I, I think they thought I was a bit of a pain in the neck. And I think they'll, if they thought that, they'd probably be right. <laughs> now, Nick, well, we know that Mark and Rob do all their Dalek voices live. Uh, you know, they they don't have the the luxury of editing post you know post show. Uh, do you do the voices live for every episode? Uh, more or less, yes. I'm there. You know, when the um, when the Daleks are on set, I'm I'm there. But you do yours from inside your Daleks, do you? That's right. Yeah, I had a, a electrical engineer friend of mine from. I'm I'm actually from England. I've, I've emigrated quite a few years ago, but uh, when I told him I was building a Dalek here and I needed a voice mod, it was just an unhesitatingly, I'll have it to you within a week. <laughs> and in fact, every time I've needed help um, from anybody in Britain, the, the wheelchair inside that drives me around, I needed to rewire. And when I called the company initially, they were like, no, no, we don't give plans out like that. What's, like, what are you doing? What's it for? And I said, I'm building a Dalek. And 10 minutes later, I had the complete schematics that I needed. <laughs> so oh, you're just, building a Dalek. Well, then you can have 
Crown jewels. <laughs> no, that's interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. That all the Daleks that uh, enthusiasts build, I think they're probably slightly better than the BBC's ones, you know, because you've got these mobility things the inside. That's because we have the time to, the extra time to spend on them. Sure. You know, it doesn't have to be in production in two weeks. Yes, yeah, considering the limited resources and money and time that BBC had, I'm just—they did. I think they did amazing work. I would never, I would never criticize anything they did with the no. with the with the time constraints and budget constraints they had. That's, that's very nice of you. I often criticize. <laughs> <laughs> no, but of course, that's the whole thing, isn't it, about filming? Is that it's artifice and it only, everything only needs to look good in an instant from a certain angle, uh, and whereas your stuff is is there for people to get up close to and look at and, and as you say you've got all the time I, I often think of an example years ago I did some theatre in a particular part of the country in England where where amateur dramatics is extremely popular and uh, the, the local audience used to get quite sniffy about our sets because we were a professional company because our sets we were doing weekly rep and the designer only had a week to put the things together uh, and, and of course they paled into insignificance next to the amateur sets, which someone would literally spend the whole year making. So right. they would be works of art. If they were talented and could do it well, they were like works of art, you know. And compared to our sort of, you know, they're thinking, well, this is professional theatre, it should be better. But it's exactly the point you're making. Well, it, the, I think that was the thing that, in, that I learned most about the, the, the Daleks when we built them, is I'd never noticed, um, because I, you know, I, I started with John Pertwee, but I, I never noticed the, the, the poor condition that some of the props were in just simply because the characters themselves the the, the presence of the of the, the Daleks was so overwhelming and so overpowering you just you didn't you weren't looking to see if there were chips of paint or you know a missing piece here or there you were just uh, you know in awe of the of these terrible terrible monsters that were on screen just terrifying you and it's only after you go back and look in detail because I build one and get it right that you go like wow that's actually not in ter in terrific shape at all, <laughs> but uh, it didn't matter at the time. You you no. completely irrelevant. Yeah, you don't see that in the show. When I went back, when I decided to build one, I went back and I watched Genesis of the Daleks. They're not in good shape. <laughs> no, well, I'm, what about Destiny? If you want, they're in a terrible <laughs> state. Like Destiny, yeah. I noticed that at the time. I was a teenager, and I thought, goodness me, there's paint flaking off them. You know. <laughs> And of course, these days with they're on DVD, you can get HD, and you can really see those props and those sets in ways that they were never intended to be seen. That's the detail right. and the depth. I yeah. had to and dust they, my they shelves have, when we went HD. You take a lot more care over them now. You know, in, in the old days, you can see they've got the finger marks of the people who moved them around on set of them. Whereas now, they spend ages. There's there's a girl on quite a few of the shoots uh, called Ellie, I think her name was, and I always used to play around when when she she used to come up and dust really dust the Daleks, and I used to make sort of little giggling noises like she was tickling them. You know, so every time she did, I was going. Which she used to find very amusing. <laughs> now, Nick, while we have you here, you have to tell us a little bit about your, your new book, Dalek, The Dalek Generation. Uh, both Professor Al and I uh, have been reading it. We read it. Uh, fantastic. Great idea. And are we going to see that on the screen? I... <laughs> be nice, though, wouldn't it? I think it would be a bit too expensive. I mean, the brilliant thing about uh, writing a book is that you can just let your imagination run wild. Right. You don't even have... Uh, I mean, there are virtually no limitations when you do stuff on audio. But uh, even 
audio would struggle, I think, to convey some of the stuff in the Dalek generation. I mean, that was one of the, the bizarre things for me, which I keep talking about when people ask me about the book. The sudden realization that all I had was my words, which is both um, freeing and terrifying, because everything I've written has always been taken and had stuff done to it. I always think, well, when I direct it, I'll make this clear, and then the sound design, and then the music, and all this stuff. But I, I kept thinking, oh, that's it, isn't it? These words and the imagination they can provoke in other people, that's all I've got. So that was quite daunting. But I tried to make it, you know, vast. I tried to make it, you know, a, as if it were a movie, you know, a really sort of $150 million movie sort of thing. Uh, is that an expensive movie these days? Has it gone up? Yeah, that's probably mid-range at this point, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you see, I'm quite <laughs> modest in my ambitions. So, no, I don't think it's ever going to be on the screen. But um, I really enjoyed writing it, and it's it's going down well with, uh, I've, you know, loads of people contact me on Twitter, and, and I've had a few good reviews, but they do say about reviews, ignore both those imposters, the good ones and the bad ones, you know, it's down to what the people who read it think, you know. Yes. Without, without, uh, without any spoilers, uh, Ken say that the, the story involves worlds where the Daleks are the heroes, or are considered the benevolent, yeah. uh, the benevolent rulers. How did you sort of come up with that, with that spin on the idea? Well, I, I think it's fair to say it's not entirely original in that you know there there've been a couple of stories where people have mist mistaken the daleks for the good guys but i just thought that i i love the idea of the daleks being sneaky and conniving but then not being able to help themselves being nasty i mean the the, the first i can give this away the first appearance of a dalek which is actually in the first chapter um is that it's on this world where everyone thinks daleks are great and then it just because something displeases it, it kills someone, you know, and then the Daleks have to go to a lot of trouble to cover you know, it was very interesting that one of the BBC people's comments was why does that Dalek kill that person and I just thought, I'm not even answering that question, have you not seen Doctor Who why did the Dalek kill someone well, because it's bad because <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dalek Exactly. And you I know, just, we're, we're sitting here in a show, and we've got the Daleks behind us, but right behind the computer we're actually looking into are, are windows that are a little bit higher. And these windows are just flaked with children, yes. and that's why you see the Dalek <laughs> waving behind us. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just standing in front of us taking pictures. It's, 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 it's kind of wonderful. <laughs> it's so nice to see, because I, when, when I long enough that I remember when Doctor Who was barely known in, in Canada and it's just, it's, I still have to kind of get over the fact that it's it's such a popular thing now. It, it's It's gone totally mainstream in North America, which is it's so wonderful to see and, you know, you, you bring and you're mobbed. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's just it's just I, incredible. I had a, just had a question about, um, like, do you, do you get a lot of people thanking you for sort of um, the, the work you've done with Colin Baker? Because I find that the the big finish stories are just. I think he got a really raw deal at his time as as the Doctor, and I think he's a, a very underrated performer. And I've I've just I've been amazed at some of the, the the big finish stories that he's been in and how strong a Doctor he is. Well, I that's mean, it. Big finish has made him a strong Doctor. Well, I mean, uh, yes, a lot of people do say that, and um, I'm very personally very grateful for that. Yeah, you know, I've known Colin. For years, and he he's given me a very great deal of help in my career 
uh, certainly in the early days, I wouldn't be here doing what I do now if it weren't for Colin. Um, and in the early days of uh, Big Finish, he made it very clear to us all that uh, he wanted us to go on that journey that he was already on on television, which was, you know, to make to mellow the doctor a little. He said, you know, not so many, not so many of the put downs. You know, let's not make him so aggressive. I want, I want to, you know, take the edges off him and make him a more interesting and less aggressive character. Uh, so, so it was as much his idea as ours. And you know, and I, when I first took over as executive producer, uh, I think it was one of the first scripts I did with him. Um, we got someone to write it. It was Paul Mars, actually, who's a brilliant writer, and he very um, faithfully reproduced the feel of the uh, of the Colin Baker era. And we were we were having it's that whole thing when a new regime starts. There's always there's a rush around. We were having problems with script deadlines and actually getting stories ready to record them in time for them to be released. And so Paul turned this around really quickly. And you know, he's a great writer. It was a great script. And it sort of flew past me without me really noticing that it was very much Colin Baker's Doctor on the television. Uh, and I sent it to Colin, and he phoned me, and he said. You know, if it if this wasn't you sending me this, Nick, I would and I would refuse to do it. He said because it is, it's too aggressive. It's too. It's all the things I hate. And I, and I said, God, you're right. I said, leave it with me. And so I spent the, that night rewriting it, which is slightly annoyed. Uh, but it was the night before the recording. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it slightly annoyed Paul Mars because he said, I am a proper writer, you know, you could have got me to rewrite it. I said, yeah, but, it, you know, it was my fault that it ended up like that. I should have told you not to do that, and, you know. And Colin was very grateful. We just took the edges off it and made him nicer and, you know. So that that's an example, really, uh, a, a very strong example of the difference between the way he did it on the TV and the way he's ended up doing it in the audience. And for, for some We've given Colin loads of interesting different companions. You know, we took Charlie from the Eighth Doctor and crossed him over, uh, and crossed her over with the Sixth Doctor, and that worked brilliantly. We were only going to do it for a couple of stories, and everyone loved it so much, including Colin and India, who plays Charlie Pollard, um, that we extended it. You know, we kept trying to find ways to move on, and now he's got a companion called Flip, who I'll be doing directing some stories with starting this Tuesday. Uh, it's very, it's very interesting that you mentioned Colin because I, I, it's all Colin, Colin at the moment for me because I'm working on scripts for him at this very moment. That's why I've stopped doing to speak to you. Now, Nick, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Big uh, Big Finish is doing for the fiftieth? Uh, tell our viewers. Uh, I know you got a couple of things going on. Yes. Um, well, throughout the autumn of this year, or the fall, as some of you may call it, uh, we're doing a, a, the main range um, has a series of three stories called 1963. Uh, and they are stories for the um, fifth, sixth, and seventh doctors set in 1963. Uh, one of them is um, to do with the countermeasures team, you know, the, the people in remembrance of the Daleks, you know, Captain Gilmore, Group Captain Gilmore and co. Uh, one of them is, is, a, is sort of to do with that Beatlemania era and pop music at the time, and another one called The Space Race, which I've just recently directed. Um, is about uh, the whole thing about the race between the, the Soviets and the US to, to get on the moon and uh, the truth behind it. <laughs> Who way? Uh, and then our main special 
is um, The Light at the End, which you may have heard of, which is uh, a multi-Doctor story, which uh, features the first eight incarnations of the Doctor. And um, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's old style. It's very, it's, it, it's got all kinds of different Doctor Who adventure in it. You know, it's got real sci-fi stuff. It's got monster stuff. It's got spooky, strange stuff. It's got some Time Lord stuff. Um, yeah, so, and that, that one, we recorded that ages ago, actually, right near the beginning of the year, and uh, it's, uh, it's very close to finishing its post-production now, so it's, it's beyond exciting, uh, uh, that one. And, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, Paul McGann was talking about how he enjoyed working with Tom Baker, and, you know, you just think, oh, you know, this is, this is very exciting. And I think that the, um, you know, the, it will complement whatever it is the TV series are doing as well. I mean, it's bound to be very, very different in, in terms of its style. Fantastic. Looking forward to all that. It's bigfinish.com. That's right. Where our folks can because go check all that out. subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Nick. I, we want to keep you too late into the evening there in the UK. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Hopefully we'll return sometime in October just before the the 50th we can chat a little bit more doctor who i would love to do that it's been a great pleasure thanks to all of you